Welcome to Leading with Empathy and Allyship, where we have deep, real conversations to build empathy for one another and to take action to be more inclusive and to lead the change in our workplaces and communities. I'm Melinda Brianna Epler, founder and CEO of Change Catalyst and author of How to Be an Ally. I'm a diversity, equity, and inclusion speaker, advocate, and advisor. You can learn more about my work and sign up to join us for a live recording at ally.cc. All right, let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final episode of Season 5 in 2021. Today, I'll be talking about allyship, where do I start, and other FAQs. So, it has been a journey. We began these weekly sessions back in 2020, in April of 2020, when our world changed fundamentally. And, and I want to send much love to you all who have experienced loss stress, financial hardship, anxiety, fear, depression, exclusion, and injustice. So dictionary.com has declared allyship to be the word of the year for 2021, which is amazing, right? Um, There has been a collective awakening of violence and injustice, especially against Black people in the U.S. and also Indigenous, Asian, and other people of color, as well as people with disabilities around the world, that collective awakening of understanding what is happening and what has been happening for centuries. There's a lot more people searching for how they can step up to be better allies. And so we thought it would be beneficial to have an FAQ session. So at Change Catalyst, at Change Catalyst, we've been working on building allies since 2015, when we hosted conversations about it at our very first Tech Inclusion Conference. And since then, we've hosted allyship conferences, conversations at our conferences every year. I personally have spoken on hundreds of stages talking about allyship. I've led workshops with thousands of leaders, and my TED Talk on the subject has reached millions, 2.6 million, I believe, at the moment, people. My book, How to Be an Ally, was just recently released, which you can learn more about at melindabriannaepler.com. And no one is a perfect ally. And having said that, I've been working for a very long time to be a good ally, 25 plus years uh, to be my best ally. Um, So here are some FAQs. The first is, what is allyship? So just a quick definition to make sure we're all on the same page. Allyship is empathy in action. Empathy in action. It's learning what someone is uniquely experiencing, listening with empathy and showing empathy, and then taking action to support them. So that could be through learning to do no harm, really understanding and interrupting our biases about people, and making sure we're not unintentionally belittling or insulting them with our words or actions, and then advocating for them, being their champion, and leading the change to create more diverse, equitable, and inclusive teams and workplaces in the world. And we're talking on this show about allyship specifically for people who have been historically oppressed, systemically marginalized, and who experience exclusion, microaggressions, macroaggressions, and underrepresentation as a result. So that's across race, ethnicity, gender, disability, LGBTQIA+, age, religion, and other identities. Okay, so who is an ally? I believe every one of us can and should be allies for each other, especially for people with less privilege than we have. So yes, there is always someone with less privilege than you. If you're listening to this episode, you have some privilege. Uh, If you have an identity that is systemically marginalized and underrepresented, if you've experienced that, it can be an added burden to the weight that we already carry. And that's unfair. And I believe that it will take all of us to fundamentally change the world. 
I also believe in the power of mutual allyship. Uh, we talked about this with Vanessa Roanhorse back in episode three, actually. Um, she really made me think about this a lot. Um, surround yourself with mutual allies, people who stand with you and stand up for you, and you stand up for them. Sometimes the allies in my life have opened doors for me. Sometimes they've given me important feedback to become a better ally. And I have a friend, Michael Thomas, who says that allies do your own work, meaning we have all experienced trauma. And if we don't do the work to understand and move through that trauma, we can actually unintentionally harm the people around us. And the same with burnout and stress. Oreno Sargent talks about this in episode 61. And Michael Thomas, that was episode eight. So go back and check out those episodes to learn more. Do your own work. So another big one, where do I start as an ally? The first step of allyship is really to learn, to unlearn, to relearn. Often our history books, even Wikipedia, are written from one point of view. So there are gaps in our understanding. In Wikipedia, we get a lot of information from Wikipedia right now, and they have a have a historically a difficult issue with a lack of diversity, equity, and inclusion on their staff. So pay attention to who is writing the articles and books you're reading, the podcasts you listen to, the TV and films you watch, the video games you play. Start looking for more diverse, underrepresented voices and perspectives and really broaden your understanding of our history, our collective history. Also, most of us have friends that look like us. So expand your network. Uh, learn about people who aren't like you and understand their unique experiences. We have to grow our networks. I've learned so much by following diverse people on social media, attending events for diverse people and talking to people there, right? Uh, you can also check out our company, your company's employee resource groups. Uh, many have ally events or other events that you can attend. So where you start is to learn, unlearn, and relearn. So what does an ally do? An ally learns, shows empathy, and takes action. My book, How to Be an Ally, Actions You Can Take for a Stronger, Happier Workplace, takes readers on a journey through seven steps, seven ways you can be a better ally so that our workplaces can be safer, healthier, happier, and more equitable for all of us. So those steps are to learn, unlearn, relearn, to do no harm, really understand and correct any biases that we might have, and then recognize and overcome microaggressions that we might have that are actually based often in biases, and then advocate for people, be their champion, um, take steps to really support people, stand up for what's right, intervene when you see microaggressions, for example. Six is to lead the change. And we'll talk about that a bit more uh, in a moment. And then the second part of leading the change is really transforming your organization, your industry, or our society, uh, right? That's the systemic change we need. So here, here's another question that I get often is, what if I have no power in my organization to do anything? How can I lead the change, right? So you can lead the change no matter where you are, no matter what role you have. Look for opportunities to improve diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility in your own individual work. So really look internally at your own work, your own work day-to-day. Uh, -day. What can you do to improve? So start, take action to improve your work and then lead by example. Really show people what you're doing. And uh, that can make a big difference in, in, in really providing an example for people around you. Also advocate for change in your company because companies are uniquely open to feedback right now. And I will say as consultants, many of our clients come to us initially because people internally went to them and said, I need change to happen. I need change to happen. 
So put in your request individually. You can also put in your request collectively as well. The more people that do um, put in a request for change, the more likely your company is to create change. Also model allyship. Be a great ally to yourself. Share your process on social media, on blogs, and even uh, in internal company channels, if it makes sense within your company culture. If you're leading meetings and projects, lead them inclusively. Uh, it can also mentor, sponsor, volunteer. There's a lot of things that you can do to really lead the change to create a more equitable, inclusive, and diverse world, workplace, team. So another one is, what do I do when I see a microaggression happen? How do I interrupt microaggressions? So microaggressions, uh, we actually have done quite a few episodes on microaggressions. Take a look at the episodes that I did over the summer of 2021. Those are in season four, all of the episodes in season four. So that is episode 49, 50, 51, and 52. You might take a look at the last two in particular around microaggressions. So microaggressions are little everyday acts words, actions that can be belittling, that can be insulting, that can cause harm to people. And, and as we know from microaggression, from our research on microaggressions, there are short-term impacts, but also long-term impacts, um, both to our health, physical and mental and emotional health, as well as the, the long-term effects on collective stress, collective discrimination, collective injustice, and, and microaggressions can, can lead to a whole host of issues um, related to our health as well. So um, super important to address them. In my book, How to Be an Ally, I dedicate a whole chapter to how to interrupt them because it's so important. So I, I share a process for interrupting them, including some scripts you can use, and I discuss ways to treat the impact of microaggressions as well. So I'll just, just share a couple of things here because I do think it's really important to go through that whole chapter and really look in detail. A few thoughts. If you, if you see something, do something. You can interrupt interruptions. Interruptions are, are a big microaggression that happen constantly in the workplace, especially to people with underrepresented identities. So if somebody is interrupted, just say, you know, Sarah has been trying to get a word in for a long time and I'd really like to hear what she has to say. Or, you know... I realize that Brian hasn't had a chance to get a word in at all. Um, and I would love to hear his thoughts if he has them. You know, anything to really open the space and uh, let somebody step in to share their ideas. You can also echo and attribute people's ideas. Um, often people with underrepresented identities will have an idea. They'll share it and it'll be dismissed. It'll be talked over. Um, people won't pay attention. And then maybe an hour later, maybe a day later, maybe a week later, somebody else brings up the same idea and it is championed at that point. That person is championed at that point. So that can make a big difference on um, you know, somebody's career, ultimately, somebody's impact and respect on the team even. And so what you want to do is echo and attribute that idea back to that original person. You know, I, hey, I remember when Kanisha said that a week ago, I, I believe. Kanisha, I would love to hear more of your thoughts about that. Or do you want to share more of your thoughts about that? Or, you know, if you have a moment, it might be um, great to, to present more of your thoughts in the future. Something along those lines to really attribute that idea back to that original person. Uh, it can make a big difference in their career. If somebody is being passed up for promotion, advocate for them. Advocate for their promotion. 
So now if there's a microaggression happening and you want to intervene in the moment, a bigger microaggression or not a bigger microaggression, that's not the way to say it, is, is a different microaggression. Do check out my book because um, there's a framework work there. Um, I use the framework from Daryl Wing Su, um, who has done a number of research projects and written a couple of books now on uh, microaggressions to pause, disarm, and educate. I also add treating the impact because that is so important. The impact of microaggressions can be severe. As we know, it can affect short and long-term health, right? And then the other thing I would say, I have also added in there is if somebody is intentionally harming people, then you might want to skip some of this and report them. <laughs> um, you still want to treat the impact. You still want to disarm that in the moment, but education might be not, not be so might not be, have such an impact that you want it to, it might actually put you in harm's way. So pause, disarm, and report them, and then treat the impact. All right, so the other thing I would say here is to call people in versus canceling or shaming them. Really important to call people in when they have good, good intent. We don't want to punish or shame anyone because shame is not a good motivator for change. It's one of the worst motivators for change, actually. It can often backfire and it can turn people away from change. So do show empathy in that moment. Assume good intent, unless you know otherwise. And then give the microaggressor space to take in that new information without being judged or criticized, okay? So yes, yeah, so you're calling people in and that might look like an aside. It might look like you know taking somebody aside after the fact, and talking with them, or it might be in the room. Uh, it kind of depends on your culture. It depends on your feelings of safety. It depends on a lot of things. So um, it depends on whether or not you catch it in the moment. Sometimes we can kind of get struck in our own amygdala hijack and can kick in where we just are so in shock that somebody said that, that we don't have the response right away. And that's okay. You can bring it up later in the meeting, or you can bring it up one-on-one -on -one afterwards. So I would recommend that you create a safe space on your team for people to call each other in, because again, we're all learning. And what that might look like is you might start with a, hey, can I give you some feedback? This is with a one-on-one. -on -one. You might say, hey, can I give you some feedback? Um, and then once they say yes, hopefully, if they say no, you might not do that, right? Um, if they say yes, share your, you might share your own journey or experience. You know, you said so-and-so, you said this, and I used to say that too, but then I learned that it can be harmful because of this. And so, you know, really share that, share uh, your own learning journey, because that shows your own vulnerability and, and ability to transform. And also um, share what you learned as why it's, why it's cause why it can cause harm and also what the alternative is, right? And know that it's a process, right? Behavior change can take time. So don't expect somebody to change immediately. They might not change in that moment, um, but you can start the process. You can seed the change, right? Um, and you can continue to support their, their growth and their learning. The other thing is you can put some processes into place to reduce the possibility of microaggressions happening. And then of course, treat the impact. So we don't talk enough about this final step. Treating the impact of a microaggression is crucial because as we know, microaggressions can have a significant impact on somebody's health, their work, and, and also their career, ultimately. So and we've talked a bit about microaffirmations in the past. I talk about that in my book as well. 
there's a lot of ways that you can you can mitigate the effects of the harmful effects of microaggressions through microaffirmations, also through advocating for people and really um, helping them grow in their careers. So, what if I make a mistake? Right, that's a big one. Uh, we all we all mess up. Nobody's a perfect ally. We learn, we unlearn, we relearn, we take action. We also make mistakes and we apologize. We learn from those mistakes and then we keep taking action. So when you are thinking about an apology, it should include recognizing that you did something wrong and harmful and how you will correct, correct yourself moving forward. What will you do to take action to, so that it doesn't happen again and potentially also correct the harm? So do not expect that someone will say anything in, to you in return, they shouldn't have to. Those of you who are experiencing this apology from the other end, people with systemically marginalized identities who are now receiving these apologies, I would encourage you to not say it's okay when somebody apologizes to you because really it's not, right? I usually say, I appreciate you sharing that with me and I'm glad you're working on improving. Or you can simply say thank you and move on. Um, so an apology is... It's worth nothing if you can't share and show how you've understood your mistake and you're making corrections, because that is the most important part. How are you taking action to correct? If you're a leader or a manager and, you're ma and you made a mistake publicly, first apologize to that person privately, right? And then I would encourage you, if you did, if you did the, the act publicly, then you apologize publicly as well. So, as well. So share that you made a mistake publicly, what that mistake was and how you're taking corrective action and really focus on your mistake, your corrective action. In this way, you're acknowledging the harm, making it clear that it was not okay. And you're being a model for your team to learn and correct themselves, right? Because we, again, we make mistakes from time to time. And it's what we do about them that makes the most difference. And I, I will say I spoke about making mistakes with Manisha Amin in episode 39. So take a look at that. We talked about that quite a bit. So what is performative allyship? Performative allyship is calling yourself an ally, professing that you believe in diversity, equity, and inclusion, and that you believe that they're important, but not taking action, real action. So that's not a black square on your Instagram account. That's doing your own inter internal work to learn and ensure you're doing no harm. And also advocating, standing up for what's right, leading the change. And I will say that you're either an ally or you're contributing to the problem. You're either an ally or you're contributing to the problem. And that might be difficult for some of us to hear or to see. But when you stand by without standing up, you're complicit with what is. And as we know, what is unfair, what is, is unfair, it's unjust, and it's exclusionary. So you're either an ally or you're contributing to the problem. You're either moving toward a solution or you're allowing what is to be. Allies take steps to improve the world and our workplaces so that everyone can thrive. Okay, moving to what's the business case for allyship. And we have a whole research piece dedicated to this. So I want to say go to ally.cc report. 
and download our state of allyship report, the key to workplace inclusion. So just a couple of things here, but you should really go download the report. People with at least one ally in their workplace are nearly twice as likely to feel like they belong. They're satisfied with their job and their workplace culture, satisfied with their workplace culture. Additionally, people report that allies significantly increase engagement and feelings of overall happiness, improved productivity, increased psychological safety, reduced turnover and stress, and of course, allyship creates greater opportunities for our career advancement as well. And the last thing here is, is, you know, often we are afraid to do more work internally around allyship, more training, more taking time out of our day to do this work. And our research shows that most people want their companies to do more to encourage allyship. That number is highest for managers. So go download the report. There's a lot more there. So another one we often get, especially now because our, we are redefining work, is can I be an ally in the remote workplace? And a thousand percent, of course you can. Um, and most allyship is pretty similar. There just are a few distinctions. I actually give a workshop on this subject. If you have a team where you're looking to grow your allyship together remotely, check us out. Um, contact us um, at contact at changecatalyst.co. And we can talk more about that. Um, I also share a few thoughts about this in episode 48. So I'm going to go ahead and send you there because it's a whole episode focused on um, being an ally in the remote workplace. Yeah, go check that out. Okay. So how do I convince people to be allies or how do I build more allies? So this is the topic I love um, because it's a big portion of the work I do. I help organizations to build allies and I've been working on behavior change and organizational change for decades. Yeah, decades, um, which is why I'll be discussing this in season six in one full dedicated episode. So Again, behavior change is one of my passions, so I'll be talking about the different stages of allyship and how you can meet people where they are and help bring people through those stages one step at a time. Um, so I'll leave leave that for our following our future episodes, so check it out. It should be in one or two episodes from now. Then lastly, if you have a question that I didn't answer, if you have a question about allyship, find us on social media and ask us. You can also contact us at contact at changecatalyst.co and we'll answer your question. We might answer it on social media. We might even answer it on the air here too. So please do ask, ask our questions. I love to know what people are thinking about. And finally, I have a great request. As we go into the break here, please, please, please take a moment to leave us five stars and a review on Apple Podcasts a like and subscribe on YouTube or review on whatever platform you're listening to. This helps so much with bringing more listeners to the show and more listeners means more allies. So uh, really please help us build more allies uh, by bringing more listeners to the show. And thank you. Okay, everyone stay safe, be well. Thank you for listening. I hope you find joy and rejuvenation over the next few weeks. If you are missing us, go back and listen to some of the episodes that you didn't get a chance to listen to. We have um, about 70, about 70 episodes or something right now. So uh, lots, uh, 66, I think, 66, 67, something like that. So 
lots of episodes to go back and peruse and listen to or watch. And we will see you in the new year. All right. Bye. To learn more about this episode's topic, visit ally.cc. Allyship is a journey. It's a journey of self-exploration, learning, unlearning, healing, and taking consistent action. And the more we take action, the more we grow as leaders and transform our communities. So what action will you take today? Please share your actions and learning with us by emailing podcast at changecatalyst.co or on social media, because we'd love to hear from you. And thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast and the YouTube channel and share this. Let's keep building allies around the world. Leading with Empathy and Allyship is an original show by Change Catalyst, where we build inclusive innovation through training, consulting, and events. Appreciate you listening to our show and taking action as an ally. 